Hi there, friends. I am so thankful that you and I get to spend some time together as we are busy with a series called Balanced. And I believe God wants us to be balanced financially. He wants us to be able to be free financially. He doesn't want us to be bound. And He wants us to grow in a dependence upon Him and a place where we honor Him, not only with parts of our finances, but with all of our money. And the gift that I want to give you today is the gift that's going to help you and me to keep our focus at the right place, to live free from the love of money, and to be at a place where Jesus Christ is glorified in our finances, a place where the gospel of Jesus Christ is not only applied to our eternal salvation, but also applied to our finances. I believe that if you look at finances today, I've got some, some currency here in my hand, and if you look at finances today, one of the major things that I see happen with people today is they walk around with finances. And if you don't have money in the right perspective of your life, if you don't have money at the right focus of your life, it's going to distract you and you're actually going to get blinded by money. If I had to put money in front of my, my eyes like this, I cannot see a thing right now because I am blinded by the finances. And I see so many people get distracted by, by dollars. They get distracted by pounds. They get distracted by, by currency. And what happens with them is this blocks their view, not only their view of life, not only their view sometimes of the, the family that they have, but that often blocks their view of the bigness of God. And the reason why people can't see how big God is, is because they are distracted by this little thing called money. And today, I'm trusting God that you and I are going to step into greater financial freedom. And one of the foundations to this great financial freedom is this gift that I want to give you. And it's, a, it's, it's really a gift. I, I brought the gift today because I believe that we all love gifts. And uh, one of those gifts, one, one of these gifts that I believe that we need to be able to engage with today is this amazing gift of living free from the love of money, this amazing gift where God is first, this amazing gift where Jesus is at the center of our financial management. Because if we build everything, our whole life around Jesus, it's amazing how we are liberated, how we can truly be financially free, emotionally free, spiritually free. We can truly live in freedom, because the Bible says in Galatians 5 verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free, no longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery. Now we learned last week that God doesn't want us to be under the yoke of debt, that bondage of debt, but I believe that many people are under the yoke of literally trusting in money, trusting in themselves, or even the love of money. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8, it says, and God is able, can you think about this? God is able to bless you abundantly, that's what his word says. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to bless us abundantly, friends. I believe we're called to honor God with every part of our finances, with everything. And He wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing and we can enjoy intimacy with Him. And uh, if you miss this very important reality uh, of, of trusting God and putting Him at the center, you're going to miss out on so much. I believe that if you're unbalanced financially and if you don't keep your focus on Jesus and if you don't build your finances around Jesus, I believe that it unlocks financial stress. I believe that mammon be takes control of your life. You start the love of money. Mammon starts taking hold of your life and you forget God. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says God gives us the ability to produce wealth. And then he says to these people, he says, do not forget the Lord for he's the one that gives you the ability. I believe most people have forgotten who their source is. Most people have forgotten who their God is. And the gift that I'm giving you today is going to unlock these three things for you. This gift that I'm speaking about today will unlock, firstly, financial peace. Secondly, it's going to unlock a freedom from the love of money. And thirdly, 
you're going to remember that the Lord is the one that provides for you. And most importantly, I believe the most important reality of financial management is the fact that Jesus needs to be at the center, that we need to not rely on ourselves, we need to not manage our finances out of fear, but we need to manage our finances out of faith. And I think that too many people are not looking at their budgets, they're not making financial planning, they're not, they're not doing what God's called them to do because they are reacting out of fear. And I believe one of the things, one of the antidotes to fear in your life, one of the antidotes to fear in your life is faith, I believe it. And the Bible actually says perfect love casts out all fear. And when you and I love God so much that He's at the center of everything we do, He's at the center of our financial management, He's first in our lives. When we love Him so much, everything falls into place. And this one little word is going to liberate you today. And I know that you struggle with this word. Most people struggle with it. But those who love God don't struggle with this word. This word called tithing. Tithing is an amazing gift that you can give yourself. Tithing is a, a gospel reality, I believe. Tithing does so much for us. It's a, it's a tool that God uses to set the tone of our finances, to set the perspective right in our finances, to set our hearts when it comes to finances. Tithing also unlocks faith, we're going to see today. Because what I've learned is tithing helps you and me to put God first. And when God is first, I always say, life is blessed. So I want to ask you today, does God want to be first in your life or does He want to be second, third, fourth, or fifth? Now, in the last week of our series, we're going to be looking at priorities and how when you and I prioritize God, everything falls into place. But you know, in, 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 in Exodus, we actually see how the Israelites were redeemed from slavery. They were brought out of Egypt. And we know that it was so powerful that the Bible actually says that, that they, they left Egypt very wealthy. They had fine linen, they had gold, they had silver, they had livestock. They became wealthy overnight. We know the gospel penetrated every part of their life, their spiritual well-being, their physical well-being, and their financial well-being. They literally went from slaves, from being in bondage, to being free, and to having provision, to having prosperity, to having more than enough. And then it says, the first thing, the very first thing that God says to them, after coming out of Egypt, after experiencing the Passover lamb, they experienced death Passover. They saw their firstborn being protected, God preserving their firstborn by giving the pure spotless lamb, death passed over them. And because of this reality, God, God gave them this one instruction, the first instruction they received after experiencing salvation. Now you must know, just like the Israelites coming out of Egypt through the Red Sea, into freedom and into liberty to worship God. God brought you and me out of sin, out of bondage, out of slavery. He brought us out of our spiritual Egypt. And the very first thing that God asks his people after they experience freedom is this. In Exodus 13 verse 1 it says, The Lord said to Moses, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day. Can you say remember? Remember this day in which you came out of, from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by the strong hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten in this place. Isn't that amazing? By giving the first, God is saying, I'm, I'm asking you to give me the very first, to put me first, in all the provision, anything, any kind of provision that comes into your life, for us it might be through an inheritance or through a, a business transaction or through a salary or through maybe a, a family member or any kind of provision that comes into our life, any provision that comes into your life, God is actually saying, He's saying, I want 
the first. Put me first. Give me the first part. Give me the first of everything that comes into your life. Why? Because God says, I don't want you to forget my mighty strong hand. I don't want you to forget that you were once slaves and now you are free. You were once bound and now you are liberated. You were once poor and broken and now you've come into provision and prosperity. It says in Numbers 3 verse 13, For all the firstborn are mine, God says. On the day that I struck down the firstborn in the land of Egypt, Egypt, I consecrated for my own all the firstborn in Israel, both of man and of beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. See, the Lord knows this, that he doesn't need the firstborn, but he knows one thing, is that we, have, we are very forgetful. We forget what God has done in our lives. And so what happens is God says, if you bring me first, if you put me first, what happens is you take your eyes off yourself and you remember again who I am in your life. And you remember again what I've done in your life. And you remember again that it's, it's because of me that you are here today. It's because of me that you have the provision that you have. It's because of me that you are free. And so think about Cain and Abel, the very first offering that was ever brought in the whole Bible. If you look at the whole Bible, the very first offering that we know that was brought, other than the offering that God brought when he covered Adam and Eve's nakedness, the first offering that a man brought was Cain and Abel each brought offerings. Now we know that it says in Genesis 4, verse 3 to 4, it says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering, not the first fruits, an offering of the fruit of the ground. So just some of the offering, some of the stuff Cain brought. I don't think it's a bad thing to bring an offering. I think it's a great thing. But verse 4 says, And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, of their fat portions, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Now isn't it amazing how Cain felt so sad that God did not celebrate his offering, but God celebrated Abel's offering. And I believe that the only reason why God had to celebrate Abel's offering and not Cain's offering was because this was the very first time an offering was brought. Now you must understand right through the scriptures that the principle of first mention is very, very important. So when something gets mentioned the first time, God is setting something of the tone of how this needs to happen. God is setting a tone of what's important when it comes to this reality. So the first mention of anything in the scriptures is very, very important. It becomes a point of reference. So the first mention of an offering, God wanted to set the tone right there. We know that God liked in the Old Testament to show an, a, a, like a, a prophetic type or a copy in the Old Testament, which would be a shadow. And then in the New Testament, we would walk in the substance. And so just like Moses, Moses had to strike the rock the first time and then water gushed out. That was a prophetic picture. That was a type. It was a copy. It was a shadow of Jesus Christ being struck on the cross, the rock of all ages, Jesus Christ being struck on the cross and then the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And then God says to Moses the second time, he says, Moses, don't strike the rock, but Moses, what I'm asking you to do is speak to the rock. Why? Because when you speak to the rock, this time you don't have to crucify Jesus twice. You only have to crucify him once. After that, you only have to speak to him and he'll pour out his spirit. So that was a shadow. It was a type. It was a copy. Now Moses did not follow the, 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 the type. He didn't follow the prophetic copy. So what happens? God said to Moses, because you just struck the rock, it doesn't mean that you lose your salvation because we know that Moses is with God and we know that Moses was even on the mountain of transfiguration. Moses didn't lose his salvation. But because of that, Moses lost his inheritance. He lost walking into the promised land. And I see so many believers when it comes to their finances, when it comes to even, um, even their offerings, 
God's not like you're going to lose your salvation and God's not going to talk to you and God's not going to love you. But there's an element of your inheritance that you don't walk into because you're not understanding the ways of God. You're not understanding the pattern of God. And so the same happened. God wanted to show something with Abel and with Cain. Abel, we understand, brought the firstborn of, 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 his, of his herd. And Cain, I believe, was supposed to bring the first fruits. Why? Because when you look at in Colossians chapter, chapter, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 actually says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn among all creation. Over all creation, Jesus is the firstborn. So Abel's offering pointed to Jesus, and God wanted a, a Cain's offering to also point to Jesus. Because it says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 23, that, that um, Christ is the firstfruits after those who are Christ's at his coming. So Christ is the firstfruits, and God wanted Abel to point to Christ, the firstborn, Cain to point to Christ, the firstfruits, but Cain did not engage in the bigger picture of God. And so the sad thing is, friends, we see so many people, they miss out on engaging in the bigger picture of God because they're just bringing God some of, they're just bringing God like a leftover offering. They're like, God, I'll give you something. Yes, and even it's a lot sometimes, but it's not about the amount. It's about the priority. It's about the worship. It's about the, the, the devotion we give to our God. Now, it's amazing for me that this principle of giving to God first is right through the scriptures. God wants to be honored first. Now, it's amazing when you give to God last, it doesn't take any faith because you're giving him leftovers. But when you give to him first, it takes a lot of faith because you need to trust him, right? So in Joshua chapter 6, we see how the very first city that the Israelites uh, took was Jericho. And that was the first part of the inheritance. And God said to them, I want all the spoils, all the gold, all the silver, all the, the, the produce that you get, everything that you get from that first city, I want. Offer it to me. And Achan didn't want to do that. Why? Because Achan thought, oh, it's not going to be the worst. God was so serious. He said, you can have everything else. All I want you to do is give me the first. The reason why I want you to give me the first is if you can trust me with the first, I know that you'll remember me with the rest. The problem is most people don't trust God with the first. And then they forget God with the rest. God knew that if they can trust him with the first, It'll set the tone of their dependence and their devotion to God. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9, we see how there's this widow. She's busy getting, gathering sticks. She's going to make her last meal. She's preparing to die with her son. And Elijah comes onto the scene in verse 9. We see how Elijah, now you must understand, Elijah was the move of God on the planet. Elijah was what God was using on the planet in order to bring about his glory, in order to bring about his truth into the planet. And just like Elijah was the move of God back in the day, today the local church worldwide is the move of God. God is ushering in his kingdom through the local church. God is discipling the nations through local churches worldwide. God is seeking and saving the lost through local churches worldwide. Why? Because God is using the local church and that's the move of God. And so what happens is, is Elijah comes to this widow and he says to her, he says to her, please make me something. Or he asks her and she says, listen, I'm getting ready to die. Then he says, it's good, but first make me something, make me a little cake, bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself and your son. Isn't that amazing? I would think to myself, listen, Elijah, go and find someone, someone else. This poor lady, leave her in peace. She needs to be able to have this last meal in peace. But actually God knows that if this lady can trust him first, if this lady can give 
to him first, to God first, through Elijah. Elijah was just a vessel through whom this lady had to put her trust in God. And so what happens is God says, to this, uh, God says through Elijah to this lady, you give to me first and I'll look after you. And we know the rest is history. This lady was provided for right through the famine. We're in the middle of COVID-19. Many people are facing famine. I believe now more than ever, the most loving thing I can do for you today is to give you the opportunity to give to God first, to give you the opportunity to put God first when it comes to your financial management. This is the gift I can give you. This is the freedom that you'll have when you give to God first because when you put Him first, he's, you're opening your life to say, okay, Lord, I want you to sustain me because I'm going to trust you. Even 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2, we see how Paul writes and he says on the first day of every week, Set aside, put aside what, what, you're gonna, what you want to give to God. Put that aside on the first day of every week that, that, that you may prosper. And actually, God is not about getting anything from us. We looked at that in the first week. We know that God wants everything for us. That's why Jesus Christ died and he gave his life for us. But what he learned is this is, God knows this, and we've learned, is that if we don't put him first, we don't trust him. And if we don't trust him, we trust ourselves or we trust institutions or we trust others. And if we trust other, anyone other than him, we cannot be financially free. Matthew 6 verse 33 says, doesn't say seek second, seek fourth, seek 17th, the kingdom of God. Matthew, Matthew 6 33 says it very easily. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus is saying this in the context of financial management. He's saying, seek first my kingdom. He's asking me, he's asking you and me to take every opportunity we have to seek him first. When it comes to our family, seek him first. When it comes to our relationships, seek him first. When it comes to the workplace, seek him first. When it comes to your time management, seek him first. How about our financial management? Seek him first. That's what God wants. Now the enemy knows that if he can rob you of putting God first, you are going to run on the treadmill to try and be your source for the rest of of your life. God's going to separate. You know, uh, the, enemy wants to se the enemy wants to separate your finances from the gospel. But I believe that putting God first is marrying our finances with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most people tell me, but Mark, I don't want to be legalistic. I'm not under law. I'm no longer under law. Friends, I'm not mentioning the law at all today. I'm giving you an opportunity to learn how to build your whole life around the gospel of Jesus Christ, to, to, to not tithe religiously. I mean, friends, the worst thing you can do is to tithe out of obligation. The worst thing you can do is to pray out of obligation or to read your Bible in the morning out of obligation or to, to love your wife out of obligation or to love your kids out of obligation. That's the worst place to be. The best place to be is to say, Lord, because you've loved me so much, because you've given so much to me, I want to respond to your love. I want to spend time with you. I want to give to you first. I want to honor you first because I'm in a relationship with Jesus. And in this relationship, you are number one in my life. So you might ask me, Mark, why do I tithe every month? The reason why I tithe every month is every single month, I have this opportunity to say, Jesus, number one, you are my source. Jesus, you are the one I trust. Jesus, I'm free from money. I don't have to be distracted by finances. I'm free from money. And also, Jesus, I want to trust you with my provision. Like, it, like they did in Mark 6, when Jesus said to them, how much do you have? And they only had five loaves and two fish. It was clearly not enough. And many of us, many of you might be facing times now where you're like, there's more month than money. I don't have enough. 
even more, you and I should bring our provision to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I don't have enough, but what I have, I'm going to bring to you. And you know what? Jesus blessed that provision and he multiplied it. I believe multiplication comes when you and I trust God, when we, when we give to him first. I don't tithe out of fear. I don't tithe. Some people are saying like, no, I must tithe, otherwise God's... No, no, no. Friends, that's the wrong purpose. You tithe out of faith because without faith, it says in Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seeking God wants you and me to trust him, to walk by faith. Friends, it's amazing for me how people that don't tithe don't need faith. But people that tithe need faith. Why? Because it doesn't take faith to give to God last, but it takes faith to give to God first. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 says that the whole tithe belongs to God. Now you might say, but Mark, what is the tithe? It comes from the Hebrew word ma'asa. Ma'asa means 10%. So 10%, my first 10%, remember we said 100% belongs to God. I'm, I'm managing everything for His glory. But the first 10% is an opportunity for me to say, I'm putting my hope, my trust, and my reliance on God. And I remember not wanting to teach people about tithing because I know it's offensive. Many people tell me, Mark, it's legalistic. Some people tell me it's Old Testament. And even though I'm going to read a New Testament verse for you, even Hebrews chapter 7 affirms the tithe. Jesus, at two occasions, actually doesn't cancel out the tithe, but he affirms the tithe. But God said to me, Mark, if you love people, you'll teach them to tithe. If you love people, you'll teach them to tithe. If you don't love them, then you're all about what they think about you, and you're not wanting their best you don't have their best interest at heart. I believe that you can tithe unbiblically and you can tithe biblically. Unbiblically is when you tithe out of legalism, legalism, if you tithe out of duty and obligation, if you tithe out of fear. That is, that is unbiblical tithing. And I'm against that kind of tithing. But I'm definitely for relational, faithful, <laughs> glorious tithing where I put Jesus first and I remember how he set me free and I love on him. I'll never forget this. I used to tithe unbiblically. Marie and I, we used to tithe uh, legalistically, out of duty. And, um, and you know, God is gracious and He understands, but I was missing out so much. And then I listened to this message by a guy called Roy Bossinger, and he spoke about the fact that what he learned to do is he learned to put his tithe on his coffee table and dance around his tithe on a Sunday. So what he would do is, uh, not on a Sunday, whenever he had to give, he would go and draw his tithe. So say for instance, he earned, call it, 10,000 and then what he would do is he'll take 1,000 and he'll put it on his on his coffee table and then he would worship God God thank you so much and he'll dance around and he's like Woo, thank you Jesus for providing for me and um, he says everything changed because he took his eyes off money and he put his eyes on his God he took his eyes off the debt that he had to pay and he put his eyes on God you want to get out of debt you got better trust God to get out of debt you can't trust yourself and so what happened to me, Marie and I, we did the same. We earned 3,000 that month, and we put 300 rand on the account, uh, uh, in the, on the floor. We, didn't, we could not afford a coffee table back then. We put our, our groceries and our car keys in the middle of the, of the flat, and we put the music on, and I said to her, are you going to start dancing? And, and then I decided, well, if I close my eyes, she can't see me, I suppose, you know. So I danced around the tithe, and I'll never forget getting free from the love of money. I'll never forget, I'll never forget friends, how I became extremely prosperous not because of the rant in the sense not a, not because of the amount i became prosperous because of the freedom that i found in jesus and i became prosperous because my hope was no longer in myself to be my pro provider my hope was in jesus i needed to change my mindset around tithing friends you know that uh, 
the Jewish population, they've, they've been practicing tithing for many, many years. You know that 4% of, of, um, of, of the population of New York City, the 4% are Jews, but they have 40% of the wealth of New York City. Isn't that amazing? 4% of them, they have 40% of the wealth. What I, what I believe is they've learned how to apply this principle and they do not even have Jesus Christ. How much more us believers that have Jesus Christ in our lives. Now you might say, but Mark, can I just tithe? Can I, I'm going to use tithing just for an orphanage here and I'm going to give to an outreach there and I'm going to tithe. No, friends, those are offerings. Maybe you want to give to a building project somewhere. That's offering. The Bible is clear that there's tithes and offerings. One of the biggest gifts you can give yourself is to tithe to Jesus through the local church. The local church is God's chosen vessel. It's a, there's a place for the tithe. Even in Nehemiah chapter 13, we see that there was a place for the tithe. Now, in Genesis 28 verse 22, this is way before there was a law. We must know in Genesis 14, Abraham tithed. He gave 10% of everything he got. Genesis 28, 22, we see how, how obviously Jacob comes and Jacob's got this encounter with God. Now, you must understand it was Abraham, it was Isaac, it was Jacob. So Jacob was not around when, a, when Abraham tithed in Genesis 14. But in Genesis 28 verse 22, before there was a law that says you have to tithe, this guy understood something. If you have a revelation of Jesus and if you seek angels ascending and descending and you've got an encounter with God, this is what happens in your hearts, friends. And this is what I want to ask you to do before God today is to take the blinkers off and to go to Jesus yourself and say, Jesus, I want to honor you with my life, with my, with my time, with my relationships, with everything, even every cent that comes into my life. It says in verse 22 of Genesis 28, and this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. God's house. So that's the place we, we worship God, God's house. We are now the temple of God. God dwells among us. Local churches is an expression of the household of God. He says, according to the New Testament, he says, And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth. He, he mentions it. He says, the full ma'asa, the full tenth, I'm going to give to you. Isn't that amazing? Jacob has this revelation. That everything he has comes from God. And because he knows God and out of a relationship with God, he says, God, for the rest of my life, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hope in you. And of everything that comes into my life, I'm going to give you a full tenth of everything that comes into my life. Most scholars would agree that the place for the tithe is the local church. And in Acts chapter 4, they even trusted the finances to the apostles that were leading that local church. And in Luke 11 verse 42, I've, I've mentioned it earlier, that Jesus actually said to the Pharisees, he said, you guys are neglecting uh, love and justice but by tithing. And he says, you should be prioritizing love and justice. He says this, he says, without neglecting the tithe. That's my Jesus. That's in your and my Bible, in red. Jesus is saying, we should not neglect the tithe. You know, Jesus canceled out a lot of laws that were not from God. When he, when he said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Jesus canceled out laws that were not from God. But when the tithe comes, the tithe was not law. The tithe is relationship. Now, I want to just say to you today that one of the most liberating gifts you can give yourself, one of the ways to financial freedom, I believe the foundation to financial freedom is putting God first. And so one of the things that, that, that also unlocks is generational blessing. And so without faith, it's impossible to please God. I believe that the tithe unlocks faith. It, it liberates you with faith. Now, faith is something that we seriously need. And most people in the world, they run finances on principles. But I believe that people of God should run their finances on faith. 
And we've built multi-million rand buildings. We, we've, um, we've seen God, we've gone to multiple nations with, with no provision initially and then God provided. We've seen God heal a lot of people. We've seen God touch and save a lot of people, baptize a lot of people because we put our faith out. We put our trust in God. And God said to me, he said, Mark, if you want to activate your faith in me, when it comes to finances, you need to tithe. And what I, what I learned was, I learned that, that God wants you and me to be able to honor him and to remember what he's done for us. It says in verse 14 of Exodus chapter 13, it says, and when the time comes, I remember we started with Exodus 13 and we saw how God wanted the firstborn. Now you must understand that when the firstborn was then born, when that first little lamb came, I'm sure that was excitement in the family. They were all farmers. They were so excited about this new little lamb that was born. And then the father would take the firstborn around the corner and the father would sacrifice the firstborn as an offering to God to say, God, thank you that I'm no longer a slave. Thank you, God, that every provision that I have comes from you because you come first in my life. In verse 14, I don't have time to read the whole chapter. I want to encourage you to read it. It says, and when in time to come, your son asks you. So when your son comes to you, your children, and they see this, they ask you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt from the house of slavery. See, friends, tithing also sets the tone not only for your generation, but for generations to come, where you can use the tithe as an opportunity to teach your kids to put their hope and their trust in God, but also for you personally to build your financial management around the cross of Jesus Christ, around the Passover lamb, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. That's the reason. The tithe is a tool, friends. It's a gift. It's not something we worship. We worship Jesus, and we use the tithe. We use this principle of tithing to honor God and to build our lives around God. I want to tell you a testimony. My, my, my youngest son, he really wanted an Xbox and he was saving up for an Xbox. And um, he was like, God, Daddy, please help me. I want to have an Xbox. And I'll, I'll never forget one day while I was tithing, just before I was tithing, I was praying and I called him. He came into the office, put him on my lap and I, I sat him in front of the computer and I said, my boy, I would like you to pray with me. But today I'm going to, we're going to honor God. We're going to give him the first, the first money that leaves our account, not the second money. I beat every, I don't want to, want to pay anything other else before I haven't paid this. The first money that leave our account, we'll go to Jesus through our local church. And I, I, I remember typing the amount in and then my boy's eyes went like this and he said, Daddy, I can buy an Xbox with that, he says to me. And I said to him, that's true. He said, Daddy, why are you giving so much money to the church? I'll never forget that day, friends. But I started crying in front of my son, and I said to my son, your daddy used to be a slave to sin. I wasn't always the person that you see today. And I could say to my, my boy, I could say to him, I, I could preach the gospel to him. And I could tell, tell him that, that this, this dad of his, I said to my boy, I used to be far from God. I used to be disconnected from the life of God. I used to be disconnected from the grace of God. But by a mighty right hand, God, through his son, through Jesus Christ dying on the cross for me, set me free from slavery, set me free from death. And he brought me into life. He brought me out of darkness and into light. And I said to my boy, I said, and because my Savior saved me, and because Jesus gave his life for me, and because I've got freedom from sin, every month, my boy, of everything that comes into my life, every month, I take the first 10% and I give it to God first before I pay anything else. Why? Because I never want to forget what Jesus did for me on the cross. 
I never want to forget that if, if it wasn't for him, I would not be here today. I never want to forget how he brought me out of darkness and into light. And so every single month is an opportunity. When money comes into my account, it's an opportunity for me to once again remember that everything I need comes from God. And it reminds me that, that I was dead in my trespasses, but God made me alive through Christ Jesus. And I said to him, I said to him, my boy, it's an opportunity for me. This time is an opportunity for me to remember, not to forget, to remember who Jesus is and what he's done for, my, for me in my life. It, it's also an opportunity for me, my boy, to trust God for my future. Because it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like I said to my boy that day, I said, my boy, while I was still a bad person, Christ died for me. God loved me first. And then I said to him, because God loved me first, boy, I'm now showing to God that he's my number one in my life. I want to now love God first, even with it, when it comes to managing my finances. I declare that God is my source. I declare that God is my hope. And I declare that he's the one that brought me out of slavery. And he's the one that gives me my peace. And so today I want to close with this video clip. I'm going to show you a video by Craig Rochelle. It's really impacted my life in a big way. And I believe it, it really brings the message together powerfully. I want to encourage you to watch it. But I'd like to pray for you today. If you're far from God, today's your day to put your hope because while you are still a sinner, Jesus Christ died for you. Before you could choose Him, He chose you. And He loved you first. And now you can respond to that love. But if you're close to God like me, I, I, my prayer, my desire for you is that you will not tithe religiously. But yet you'll go before God and say, God, take the blinkers off me. I want to not focus on finances. I want to focus on you. I want to build my financial management around you and around faith in you and around the finished work of the cross that you brought about in my life. In Jesus' name. Bless you abundantly. And thanks for spending time with me. Well, this is where the rubber meets the road. You're paying the bills. In fact, what's in here tells more about your heart than just about anything else. Let's talk about it as intentional givers. Well, we're going to return to God what belongs to God. Scripture says this in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, a tithe. Now, what's a tithe? This is the Hebrew word ma'aser, and it means one-tenth. It means 10%. So 10% of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. A tithe, 10%, it belongs to the Lord. Scripture says it is holy to the Lord. So how do we give the ma'asr, how do we give the tithe? Well, the Bible says in Malachi 3.10 that we are to bring the whole tithe, bring the whole ma'asr into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, scholars agree that the storehouse is the local church, that we bring 10% of what God trusts to us to the church. We give 10% to the church so there may be spiritual food and spiritual nourishment in the church for God's people. Then we give offerings above the ma'as or above the tithe to other places. We're going to return to God what is God's. But let's be real. Let's be honest. The more we have, the more difficult it is to give. As strange as that sounds, it's true. For example, let's say you make uh, $10 in a year. Well, it's pretty easy to give $1 because you think, well, 10%, $1, what can I do with $1? No big deal. In fact, you might say, hey, here's two because, you know, what can you do with $2? But then let's say one year you make $10,000. 
And so you want to tithe off that. And all of a sudden you're going, oh my gosh, I'm going to write this $1,000 check, $1,000, I can do something with $1,000. And that check gets a little bit more difficult to write. Well, let's say though, you're faithful and God really blesses you. And one day, your pile grows big. You got a big stack. And let's say you make $100,000 that year. And all of a sudden you're going 10% of 100 grand, that's $10,000. Ain't no way I'm giving $10,000. Because as crazy as it sounds, the bigger your stack grows, the harder it is to give. It's not how to be rich, that's how to be selfish. And we're not going to be selfish. We're going to be intentional and return to God what belongs to God. Let's look at it this way. God will use the tithe in so many different ways in our lives. For example, a very important thing is this. God will use the tithe to teach us to put Him first. God will use the tithe to teach us to organize our life around Him. In fact, Scripture says this. The Bible says the purpose of the tithe is to teach us to put God first in our lives. The problem is most people don't. For example, let's say you've got a pie. Well, you're gonna to have to divvy up your pie into different places. Let's cut a piece of the pie, a big piece, and this will be your mortgage payment. Good news is you got low interest. So you put a piece of the pie right here. Then you got your car payment, pretty good piece of the pie. Good news is you look really good in your car. And then you've been shopping and so you've got some credit card bills. Got that piece of the pie. And then you've got your kids and a lot of activities. Boy, they're expensive. Little boogers, piano, soccer practice. And then you've got cable TV and you've got something on yourself. And so before long, you've divvied up your pie in all these places on yourself. Wait a second. I forgot God. We've got to give something to God. And so we tend to give God our leftovers. That's not how to be rich. That's how to be selfish. What should we do though? The tithe teaches us to put God first in our lives. And what we want to do is this. We want to say the first fruit, the very beginning, it belongs to God. So we're going to take our whole pie and we're going to cut out about 10% and say, you know what? Thank you for blessing me with this whole pie. This isn't mine. This is yours, God. This belongs to you. God, it's my honor to worship you with 10%. All of a sudden, this teaches me to prioritize my whole life around God. I'm worshiping God with a tithe, and I'm prioritizing and arranging my life around God. The tithe teaches you to put God first. It also, the tithe, increases my faith in God. By giving to Him first, He's actually building my faith and trust in Him. I honestly believe that 90% with the blessings of God goes further than 100% without the blessings of God. 90% with His blessings goes further than 100% without. Now here's the deal. It takes faith to give to God first. To give God 10%, it takes faith to give first. 
if we give what's left over, it doesn't take faith at all. In fact, that's how God gave to us. The Bible says while we were still sinners, He sent Jesus. God gave by faith even before we accepted the grace of His Son. The Bible teaches us to give by faith. In fact, Scripture is very, very clear in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Here's what the Bible says. God says, I'm so sure of this, I want you to test me. You don't believe me? Put it to the test. Cut 10% out of your pie and give it to me, God says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. That's how good God is. The tithe, it teaches us to trust God and prioritize our life around Him. We will be intentional givers. We will intentionally return to God what's already God's. Time to eat some pie.